Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. Listening, more specifically, to the latest installment in My April Diary. eBay sales were slow on Monday, and they got slower and slower until they stopped altogether on Thursday. And so I made sure that I was waiting right outside of the Goodwill bins when they opened at 8am. So I was there bright and early, but I was also moody from that streak of no sales at all. And without meaning to, I dragged that cloud into the warehouse with me, and it hovered overhead while I sifted through the bins. And I think that's why I didn't find anything good, is because I was telling myself that the store was dead, maybe I wasn't cut out for reselling or trying to manage an eBay store, and if I want to make ends meet, I'll just have to pick up more shifts at the grocery store, which means less time for writing, for reading, living a life. When I was working for a ghostwriter a few years ago, someone paid him a large amount of money to write a blog post about negative self-talk. And the ghostwriter said to that client, okay, I can do that. And then, after accepting the large amount of money, he gave me $18 and said, go write a blog post about negative self-talk. In my research, I found an interview with a healthcare professional who said, in, in very gentle words, if you go to a social event and then you come home from it, and you look in the mirror and you say to yourself, oh, I made a terrible impression, everyone hates me, I'm sure they were all saying terrible things about me as soon as I left the room, you are wrong. You, the negative self-talker, are presuming that everyone at the event was so struck by your presence that they formed a radical opinion. Nobody is thinking negative thoughts about you, was the healthcare professional's consolation. And the reason they're not thinking negative thoughts about you is because you aren't remarkable enough to even think about. On my way home from the bins, I stopped at a Salvation Army, only because I didn't want to have so little to show for my two-and-a-half-hour venture. And I browsed the menswear, and I found two designer dress shirts, one by Robert Graham and the other by a brand called Frank and Eileen, plus a box of $3 Kodak photo paper that sells very quickly on eBay for $15 to $20. I ended up paying only $9 for the whole bunch of items. I took them home, snapped some photos, and listed them all on eBay. That $3 photo paper sold for $16, and the Frank and Eileen shirt, which I got for $4, sold for $70. After that, there was a handful of sales from the week that I did have to take to the post office. Not really a big task, except for the fact that I now have to go to a new post office. Because there is a cashier at the USPS closest to my apartment with whom I do not get along. She wears a designer waist bag strapped crosswise. Over her torso, there's a passage in a Toni Morrison novel called Sula, where she describes a woman who walks around with a constant furrow to her brow and a constant pucker in her lips, as though she lives in constant disapproval of the choices of others. And that is a spot-on description of this cashier. I'm reluctant to ever ask her a question, even though I constantly have questions about the shipping practices and services, because whenever I ask a question, she just sort of drops her shoulders and gives me a deadpan look and says, what do you think? I don't know, what do you think? And when she asks it, she kind of lets the question mark hang there in the air, like a condom she just picked up off the pavement. One time I was there, she was, she was, she scanned the QR code for one of my packages, she was entering it into the computer, and as she did that with one package, I started filling out the address label 
on another package. And when she saw me filling out the address label, she slapped the counter like a gunshot. This post office, incidentally, is extremely old and cavernous and echoey. And she wagged her finger at me and she pointed to the back of the line. Nobody's writing addresses at the counter. Go back, back, go back, get back, Back of the line, go write it in the line. Granted, that was a couple months ago. A few weeks after it happened, I saw her do the exact same thing to someone else. An older man who also just sort of took the indignity on the chin and he muttered about how the reaction isn't really necessary. And then he went to the back of the line and he filled out his address label and he waited. Waited to get back to the front of the line and sheepishly go through the entire process again. After every transaction you have with a postal worker at USPS, they'll hand you a long receipt with a QR code at the bottom. If you scan the QR code, you'll be presented with a survey about your experience. The last time I was there and this worker in question, she, you know, saw me and, and said some passive-aggressive things, I decided, you know what, fuck it. And so I went home and I scanned the QR code. I started writing a critique about my issue with this postal worker. I said, I think this person has a grudge against me. And then I detailed our encounters. I mentioned how she seems a little more scathing toward me than toward other customers. I mentioned the issue with the address label and some of our other encounters. But then I stopped and I reread what I had written, the entire paragraph of complaint. Early last year in 2022, while I was bartending at a Coral Gables pizza place one block away from the Coral Gables USPS, there was a, a letter carrier, he was in his 50s, and he used to swing by the pizza place at happy hour. He was friendly, he was generous, he was soft-spoken in kind of a tired way. He would come in at 3 or 4 p.m. looking like he had spent the whole day holding his breath. His shirt was gray with sweat, and his calves were huge and vascular. He would put his elbows on the counter and he would stoop forward over his drink so that his posture on the bar stool was sort of like a question mark. He told me that he had started working for USPS right when they changed the pension plan. So that now, instead of getting it after 20 years of service, the pension kicks in, I think at 27 years or 30 years, it might be 30 years. And he would shake his head while he told me about his day and his route and the people he encountered and the senseless grudges that so many people apparently carry against letter carriers. It was this sort of scroll of woe. It wasn't self-pitying, but it was just an itemization of every indignity he encountered in the course of his shift. And at the end of it, he would roll his eyes, and he would click his tongue, and he would shake his head. And he seemed so miserable, and I would say, like, can't you just quit? Can't you, like, find a better gig doing something in the delivery arena? And he would huff a little patient laugh with my very naive question. No, he would say. I, I can't just quit. And he would shake his head into his drink, and he would say, I've got 13 years to go. I started thinking about this guy while I was filling out a paragraph-long complaint with USPS about this difficult postal worker on South Beach, when I decided that, instead of submitting it, I should probably just go to a new post office. I decided that, yes, this cashier is an asshole, but it's probably nothing personal. Her job is obviously pretty exhausting, I'm sure it's, it's rife with indignities, and at the end of the day, I don't think this cashier actually hates me. I'm probably not remarkable enough for her to even think about. 